entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Turn the music up, turn me down. Google. Let's go get him again. This time is for the money, my nigga. Brooklyn, stand up. Never been a nigga this good for this long, this hood. For this pop, this hot, for this long. Look what that pressure make up, bitch. Dude. Or don't. Or both? <laughs> I don't know. That's TBD, but we're we're back in the building. It's been a lot going on. A lot. A lot. Did that happen? A lot of questionable shit that's happened. I ain't even going to hold you. Like, I just... Like, I sit and I think often about, like, the fabric of the basketball world and how it's all fucked up. Ever since Kobe left us, shit's been upside down, yo. And like, this is a perfect time for like, like Kobe would have probably got on Twitter, tweeted some players like, yo, Giannis, you got to win MVP and win a chip. He did it. Shout out to Giannis. D book, MVP, chip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like I have a problem. Cause I watched the Suns get their ass kicked, bro. And the first thing I thought was D book better take those fucking Kobe's off. And he better not put them Jones back on for the foreseeable future. Go get a Puma contract. Go bring back Reebok. Go get your own personal Nike PEs. Because we know apparently Nike about to drop Kyrie or some shit like that. But that's a different conversation. Do something, but take those fucking Kobe's off. Because it's one thing to lose in the in the game seven. It's one thing to lose. I'm, I mean, it's fine. But it's nothing to get embarrassed. And like we thought we saw embarrassment when the Sixers lost. But we were wrong. Like that looked like the best loss of the playoffs so far of the respectable teams. Or maybe I'm fucking tripping. You tell me, because I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you See, but I think what's interesting is that if you want to talk about. Let, so, so I would say out of those four series that were currently going on, three of them were justified. So you have Golden State and the Grizzlies. You know, it's understandable. You know, they, you know, fought tooth and nail. It was a close game in their uh, game seven or game six, I think it was. And, you know, you just lose. You get it. John Moran's not in there. Understandable. They fought hard. They pushed it to six. Kudos to them. Then you go to Philly. James Harden, you know, clearly doesn't look right. And Bede clearly isn't him, isn't himself. Danny Green torn ACL, MCL issues. 
you know, they lose at the crib. Shit happens. Then you go to bad loss, but shit happens. But shit happens. happens. Shit happens, right? Broken all the bulls and shit. Yeah, like, come on. Like, you know, hand ligaments fucked up. Like, that's a thing, right? But then you go to Giannis and the Bucks without Middleton the whole series. Been fighting tooth and nail. Stole a few games from the Celtics that they should have never even had. But, you know, put up a good fight. But, at, you know, some point, you can only give so much. Giannis can only do so much. Understandable. He still proved a lot. Still put up record numbers. So, you know, again, shit happens. But then when you go to this, like, this Dallas, this, this Phoenix series, where there's a lot of healthy people, there isn't a lot of wiggle room for excuses, it gets really spooky because there's no reason why Luka Doncic should have 27 and should be chuckling after each and every one of those 27 buckets and your team only have 27 points going into the halftime. Like, that's that's not okay. Like, that's... That's that's not something that should ever happen. What you mean? Yo, the Mavs was the one seed. That's expected. No, they weren't, though. Like, they weren't the one seed. Oh, though. wait, wait, wait. The Suns? Okay, let me recalibrate. How the fuck are you as the one seed? You walking around talking about, yo, we got home court. And this is what you play for in game seven, two best words in sports, blah, 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 blah. And then you go out there. I can't even say that you went out there because you was like the game started for some of them people in, in that gym. But see, I, the, I think this is where shit gets a little tricky. Right. And like, here's where like things get a little confusing for me because you can even bring in the Sixers series about how people talk about, Oh, James Harden gave up on the team. James Harden didn't show up. You know, then you talk about, this Suns game, Devin Booker didn't show up. They gave up. They didn't want no part. Like, how much can we attribute to guys? Like, I just don't see guys that get paid millions of dollars going out there and just saying, yeah, I mean, I don't care. I mean, fuck it. Like, you know, I don't want to win this game. You know, whatever. Like, I just don't. It's very hard for me to fathom and for me to believe that that's actually the case. And I feel like it's more so of got like things within the game happening. You you don't have shit going. You don't have the confidence. It's it's very, it's a tough situation. You don't, you're not maybe in the right. I don't like, it's hard for me to break down though, because it's also like, I don't understand how you only scored 27 points and I have, like, I don't like, I can't fathom that either. So for me, I just feel like it's very hard for me to break down and for me to understand like, what is the true catalyst for why we saw what we saw these last four days? From these two NBA teams. I mean, if like if Luca plays the entire series, they probably win this drawing before game seven. Because what would lead me to believe anything different? Like the constant in this whole conversation is your guy, your king, your number one PG ever, that guy. Like 
he's the constant. That Devin Booker guy, that self-proclaimed mob of mentality, like he's the constant, at least for Phoenix. And Chris Paul has what? Five playoff losses where he's been up 2-0 and lost a series. That's a problem. He was part of another ex- historic blowout in the playoffs. We ain't going. We ain't, we ain't going to get into that. We ain't going to get into that. But um, I just don't know where the Suns go from here. I mean, I agree with you, and I think that's you know we were talking about that earlier, just like where do they pivot to? And I mean, you're not on the same boat as me of getting rid of DeAndre Ayton, but I just feel like he's underperformed. And um, but has he? He just hasn't been consistent enough. Like I can get down with that. He just hasn't been consistent enough for me to like, and like you talk about, you love to make a big fuss about, you know, lotto picks and what they should be doing and what awards they should and should not be, you know, in the running for but, like, if we're going to go down that road of, like, what, you know, lotto pick should and shouldn't do, like, you shouldn't be a first overall pick and, like, you not be, like, the man. Like, like you shouldn't, like, not be him. Like, if you're first, like, if you're taking first overall, like, you're the best player in your draft class. Like, best, like, but you aren't. And, like, you're not playing, like, so when games matter the most. So, like, for me and, like, your whole concept of what you believe a lotto pick and what a high draft pick should be, like, there has to be some type of blame put on DeAndre Ayton's plate. Are you, are you, are you done? I'm, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, the ball's in your court, sir. I'm just... I'm just I'm just confused because like here's my thing. I understand that he was like the number one draft pick. And in a sense, yeah, you're supposed to be a franchise changer. But do you remember what year he was drafted? Yeah, I do. What year was that? Um I mean it was the it was what? three, four years ago. So, I mean, COVID kind of messed me up, but it was 2018. What year Kobe Bryant was drafted? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Do I remember what year Kobe Bryant was drafted? I assume you know the draft class of Kobe Bryant's year. I mean, I don't remember off the, I know it was in, it was like 90, it was like 96. I believe 96. You remember the 96 draft. You remember the old, like you remember Kobe's draft. You remember LeBron's draft. Why? Yeah. Because those drafts not only had talented players in them, they had players with height. DeAndre Ayton's draft class is forgettable largely because he went one and the guy who probably talent wise should have went one didn't. So when I look at DeAndre Jordan's draft class, I don't necessarily look at him and think, oh, he was the number one draft pick of this year. I'm expecting him to be X, Y, and Z. Because not everybody is going to be the franchise changer as a number one overall pick. 
Like, so, but like his draft class, you don't say wouldn't you know isn't a big draft class. I mean, you don't. You don't it's, think it's, he, it's big in spite of him, not because of him. You get what I'm saying? Like looking back at that draft mm-hmm. class, the mystique around the class wasn't DeAndre Ayton. It was who the fuck is Luka Doncic? It was who the fuck is Luka Doncic, and what is Trey Young going to look like in the NBA? Yeah. And those questions for that draft class is what is what that draft class is always going to be known for. It's going to be known for the Luca Trey trade. So when I, mean, I look at DeAndre Ayton, I don't necessarily expect him to be a number one overall pick with an impact of a LeBron or someone like that. Not to but there's say one on one. Those that, are one on one drafts. Those are one on one, and that's what I'm saying. There's more drafts where you're going to have Michael Ola with candies going one than LeBron James's. So I don't, I personally, I'm not going to hold DeAndre Ayton to the status of other number one draft picks in terms of impact, because I know he's a big in a guards game now. So his context matters. You're not wrong for saying that he has to play better because you're the number one overall fucking pick. You're supposed to be doing something, but that something for him is that he's the same player to me now that he was in college. Just a little bit more refined. I don't really see any growth within his game because coming out of college, it was, yeah, he's skilled. He can hit the jumper here and there. Nice touch around the rim. Mm -hmm. Good feet. Can catch the ball. But his motor, that's the question. His motor. And as a big, you can't have that. And that shows in games like you saw what we were talking about earlier. His last game, his game seven, was horrific. Played 18 minutes, 17 minutes. Him splitting time with two other centers who were marginal outside of the three-time champion, JaVale McGee, who would have thought that? Um, <laughs> so like, like you said earlier, it's probably a problem that he's splitting minutes with those other guys. Mm-hmm. But think about what those guys bring to the floor when he's not there constant motor they excel at being the high motor guys and i think we both agree that deandre Aiden has to play better maybe because he's the number one pick but like you have the best point guard of the generation on your team they told me you have mama mentalities born and bred devin booker they told me that's your guy. That, let, let's not let's not let's not skate around it. That is that's your guy. Like that's fine. I will much rather defend my guy and Devin Booker than you having to try to defend your guy and Chris Paul to me because I don't know if you can do it. <laughs> I just think that the track record for Chris Paul is unfortunate, man, because he's a really, 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 really amazing basketball player. But every time it's winning time. It's closing shop time. It's he's hurt or this guy on his team is hurt or the coach has fucking diarrhea. Something happens every time. It's it's unfortunate. So I hear you with the whole DeAndre. It has to be better. He's number one overall pick. Yeah, fine. Sure. But he still averaged about what? 17 and 10 ish for the playoffs. Probably around that series. He had two subpar games. 
the other games were what 20 21 and 11s and 17s and 14s and yeah. you know serviceable things it's not his fault he he can't go bring the ball down and post up himself i mean that's fair i, I won't i won't i won't play Wait, 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 time out. You're a guy, you're a cousin, you're a king, you're, you're, you're number one, numero uno, PG, folklore, PG guard of all time. Christopher I don't know if I've ever said this. I, I don't know if I've ever said that he's number he's one. The guard I've ever seen. He can dribble and pass and shoot and he sets him up and he had dynasties and, 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 and dynasties in LA and Clipper this and Lob City that and. Every time it's time for this motherfucker to come up, it's oh shit, he had five points and four assists. He's 37. That's what we're going with. <laughs> he was 36 last week when he just had fucking 21 and something else. So he turned 37 and everything just space jam three, huh? Is that what you're going with? Might have. I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing Are you though, surprised? bro. Can you tell me if you're surprised. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Three points in a closeout game is shocking and jarring for sure. But here's also the thing. Chris Paul wasn't brought there to be the fucking second leading scorer on the team, dude. He That's not why he was brought there. He was brought there to piece everything together and to be a veteran leader. Your number one pick. And your star shooting guard, or who they were banking on to carry them. You can't expect a 36, 37-year-old point guard to carry you to the promised land, Alan. I, 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 are you serious right now? Is this what you're going with? That's that's, that's 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 what I'm gonna go with. So you're gonna go with Chris Paul wasn't brought there to. Am I hearing this right? Score is that what you're? Is that what I mean? He was brought there to score, but he wasn't brought there to like carry the scoring load. I wouldn't say that. No, like if I'm if I'm the Suns. I would believe that at this point, after drafting DeAndre and then having Devin Booker being on my team, I would assume that our two offensive options and where we would be running the ball through and like who would be our leading scorers would be Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And Chris Paul should be getting about 15 to 17 points per game. That's what I would see. Not Chris Paul needing to score 25 points per game DeAndre Ayton getting 15 to 17 and grabbing boards and just being a double-double guy. Like, that's not what I would have expected if I'm drafting a DeAndre Ayton. No, I'm sorry. That's not what I think the Suns were expecting. So you were expecting Chris Paul to get you 15 to 18 points a game? Which he wasn't doing, yes. Yes. That's what the series. Okay. I will, yes. Okay. I'm not saying he didn't drop the ball. I am not saying that. I'm not saying he didn't underperform. Not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is you're trying to, like, put all this blame on the Chris Paul. Like, he is the catalyst. He is the reason why they did not. That, that is not. Devin Booker didn't show up. 
Was he the reason why the Suns got to where they are now? He is part of the reason why, yes. He's Would a piece. You say he's part of or the literal soul changing thing about this organization. <laughs> I mean, your like honor, your fucking honor. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Like, there's a lot of pieces that can be brought into a team that can drastically change the trajectory of a team. Can we strike all of this? Because <laughs> answer. I'm just wondering, Your Honor, stay seated. I'm just wondering if we're talking about the same Chris Paul who left your beloved Lob Dynasty city. I mean, he was in Houston before that, but okay. And actually, okay, see, actually, I'm getting, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. He then proceeds to find his way somehow, some way, onto a team who won eight straight games in a bubble, who previously never have ever went to the playoffs since the whole Steve Nash ordeal. He gets thrown onto the Suns, and they go from bottom feeder team with a couple good players to the number one seed in the NBA. And you're trying to tell me <laughs> you're Are we gonna, gonna act your honor, he's trying to tell me that Christopher Paul is not the sole proprietor of the situation in which we're talking about within the Suns organization. But are we not gonna act like Devin Booker didn't like elevate his game? Are we gonna act like like we weren't talking about Devin Booker in MVP conversations. We weren't talking about Chris Paul in MVP conversations this year, Alan. Yeah, I mean, the whole Devin Booker MVP conversation thing is a direct derivative of the Christopher Paul acquisition within the organization. <laughs> These things are all linked together like a fucking thing around your neck. Okay? <laughs> so, like, I get what you're saying and all the ancillary pieces and all that but when it comes down to how you drink your drink right if there was no container to hold your liquid you have nothing to drink okay you just okay. ice a straw maybe and a liquid okay so can you break this down for me because i mean i i feel like this is gonna be very hard for you to do um so what necessarily is the difference between Chris Paul and James Harden's issues in closing out games and 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 winning in the playoffs. One averages about 24-ish, 8-ish, and 6-ish for his career in the playoffs. One was averaging 27, 9, and 8 at one point in time when he was in Houston. Um he also had a grade two hamstring injury. Prior to that, he had a lot of success beating almost everybody except for the dynastic warriors. Whereas your guy, Christopher Paul, only, only since last year has he ever been to the finals. But before that, he was a, he was a guy who always lost. So the difference is like 
Chris Paul was the leader on teams up 2-0 in situations that he should have won. Teams that he should have won. Not like this shit happened situations. Like the hammy when he was with James Harden. Yeah, that's a shit happens. But when you're up and you, you end up losing to like the Josh Smith Rockets and shit like that, that's not a shit happens. That's you didn't do your job. And Chris Paul is considered the best point guard of his generation, a franchise shifter. Everywhere he goes to, those guys go to the playoffs. They're tops in the league in all categories because of him. But when it comes time to win, he's never there. He's not even available. Okay. I mean, I, I agree with that, but like people will also say that like, when it's time to win, James Harden's not there. So like that's, that's like that's the confusion for me, like to like decipher between the two. Like, what is that like? Is Kawhi Leonard like, good for you? Is Kawhi Leonard like good to you? Like, how do you feel about Kawhi? Leonard? I have mixed emotions about Kawhi. Actually, I, I would assume you do, but like as a basketball player, like good, <laughs> right? Well, not because I mean, not because of that. I mean, maybe a little because of that, but like not solely because of that. Just because. Like, Kawhi's career is very weird. Like, he was an ancillary piece on a championship roster, and then he kind of, like, came into his own and became the guy, and then he won a championship by himself, and then he's had his hiatuses where, like, yeah, I don't really need to play. I don't feel right. And then we haven't really seen him for, like, a year or two, and it's like, oh, we kind of forgot about him. But when he's, like, on, like, you would consider him to be, like, one of those guys, right? Like, he's a guy. Yeah, the claw. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, remember James Hart was averaging almost thirty on that guy in the playoffs, thirty fours and shit like that. And then everybody told me that he folded. Remember that shit? Yeah, can't really say the same thing for Chris Paul's when he's like losing to the Josh Smiths and the Corey Brewers and those guys. Okay, so you're okay. So that's the difference for you. It's like more so in terms of James Harden losing in these situations, he's losing to greats. But he's like Chris Paul, teams that you would expect those guys to lose to. But Chris Paul's losing to people who are, you know, not on the same tier as him. They're you know lower level, lower tier guys. Just gave a two zero lead up to a team that has one star. Now, granted, that star is a fucking son. For sure. <laughs> no pun intended, but <laughs> you're supposed to be Chris Paul. And the thing that I have a problem with more so than like who they're losing to is how Chris Paul's performance dissipates. Because it's one thing to fluctuate within a series. Like we see Jason Tatum, he's still trying to find his his level, his plateau when he's in the playoffs. He's having great games. He's having bad games. He's bouncing back. Chris Paul, throughout his playoff shortcomings, he's been very, very, very consistent in being inconsistent. Okay. Like the games where he, they go up too well, he's playing well. Incredible numbers, you know. 12 21 points on 12 shots he made all 12 of them and then game three on to whenever the series ends he turns into clifford paul it's not a good thing so that track record looks a little different than james harden 
losing in the playoffs and having a bunch of turnovers because a lot of people that's what they remember his losses against the Spurs and those losses missing 28 27 34 do 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 all those threes like they're kind of different okay I mean I understand that but like let's talk about the Buck series right I know my you know I know you're just very excited to bring up my comments about Giannis and what I thought was going to happen. No Chris Middleton, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I'm just going to get ahead of it here. You know, I'm going to get ahead of the situation. And uh, I was wrong. Um, and, you know, Giannis, Giannis, he's, he might be the best in the world. And, uh, I mean, you know, it really does uh, – pain me to say that just because I really it really looks so nasty to me like I really just hate the aesthetics of it all but like at the same time it's so beautiful how dominant he is and like I don't know if that makes sense and I understand that that's very contradicting but like I can only tell y'all how I feel (laughs) and (laughs) honestly that's just what it is and like that's how I have made sense of it in my brain. I don't really like the way it looks. I don't know how sustainable it will be, but at the end of the day, he's doing it and he's doing it well. So. I mean, like I've come to grips with the whole Giannis conundrum. Like it's best. I think it's the best thing in the league. Like. Skilled. No different conversation. But he's the most dominant player in the NBA right now. And, like, the things that he was doing gave me eerily similar vibes to what Kevin Durant went through last year. And I'm watching the discourse right now, and I don't fuck with it. Because when KD lost to the Bucks last year in seven and it was no Kyrie and James Harden was out and all this other stuff was going on and it was all, well, he needs to do better. If he was that great, he would have won. Giannis is better than him, blah, blah, blah. Now Giannis has the same thing happen to him. He goes against a very good defensive team, one who took him out of what he likes to do most and one who we saw just made Kevin Durant play in a phone booth. Now it's, oh, well, you know, it's a team game. Giannis is, you know, no Chris Middleton, which is a fact. It's not an excuse, but it's a fact. But I just need the same energy. If we're going to kill KD for coming up short when he was playing incredible we need to do the same thing for Giannis even though Giannis's last game was nowhere near as impeccable as as impeccable as Kevin Durant's was but they both had incredible series but I think the difference of that situation is that like the way people view both of those players like like you said earlier like Giannis most dominant not the most skilled most dominant when you think of Kevin Durant, you think of most skilled, most dominant, like unstoppable, unguardable, all around player. So, like, I think that's the dichotomy that, like, of the situation where it's just like, yeah, like we know how great Giannis is, but like he's also in this box. KD's in like a different box of like you're all around, like supposed to be best player in the world type shit, and they, in their eyes, they didn't see that. Yeah, I mean, like. Look, if you tell me Giannis is the best player in the league, I'm not going to argue with you. No, I, I can't. I've, I've seen him do wild shit. Back-to-back 20 rebound games. One of them he had 40, other one had 25. Like, 
that's not normal stuff. Like Giannis closeout games, Giannis elimination games. Like, I ain't gonna say they like LeBron esque, but they're Giannis like. We'll call it that. They're Giannis like. You know, everyone, all all the greats that we've seen in in closeout situations or elimination games. More times than not, they put up. The only ones we don't see is you know the the James Harden's of the world, the Chris Pauls of the world, like maybe they're not those guys in the way that we want them to be. But we're watching a guy in Jason Tatum try to find his footing in that same category because Giannis was tripping. But Tatum said, well, shit, nigga, I can trip too. Hold on now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, 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 it's interesting because, man, I, I listen to these press conferences from the from the Celtics players, and they all sound like championship press conferences. I don't even know if that makes sense, but they just sound like a team who's super focused and they know what they need to do. They're not searching for roles to be filled in the playoffs. They're not searching for holes to be filled because of injuries, which is, you know, partly luck. But, you know, Marcus Smart may or may not play game one, but I don't know if – it's going to sound crazy, but I don't know if he's the type of player where, like, they can – like, they can afford to play a game without Marcus Smart and win that duel. All the other teams who have key pieces who are missing, they – I don't – like, the Bucks cannot afford to play, obviously, without – Chris Middleton, like the Suns could not afford to play in the finals last year without Dario Sarri. Like they needed those type of guys because if, if anything else, it keeps your rotations and your roles for your roster in place. Thanks. And with a, a, with a Marcus Smart being or not being in the lineup, the Celtics have that unique roster where they're all kind of interchangeable players, size-wise, playmaking. We do it by committee. Okay, Ime says, all right, well, look, no market smart. Let's run a little offense throughout Horford for a couple possessions. Get the pressure off of people. And Ime is shining in the playoffs. He is. <clears throat> but I think I want to go back to your, your, your statement about, you know, championship pressers, whatever the hell that means. Like, we also have to, like, take into account of – how many years that this core have been together? Al's been in and out, understandably, whatever. But like their core, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, like those guys have been together for four or five years. Like, like <clears throat> they've built a, a sense of camaraderie. They've built a relationship. And like, even when Kyrie was there and, you know, he kind of was trying to be a leader, but clearly like failed at doing so and kind of removed himself from the situation because he kind of saw what the lay of the land was there. Like, I think that's just, I think what you're viewing is just the growth of them together as a team. And like low key, maybe like we should be thanking Kyrie to a certain extent. Like, should we be thanking Kyrie for removing himself from a situation in Boston to let these young guys Guys. flourish together? Like, is that, like, should that be a narrative out there instead of, 
oh, Kyrie said he was going to, you know, come back and resign with Boston. But then, you know, he went back on his word. Like, maybe Kyrie, and I'm not putting words in his mouth, but maybe Kyrie had the wherewithal to be like, wait, they got something special in here. And they always going back at me. Like, they was a unit. They was a unit about it. So maybe I need to remove myself. And we know how enlightened Kyrie is and how, you know, in touch with the earth he is. So I don't know. Like, that could have been something that, you know, have, that went through his head and making his decision why he decided to leave. But those guys have had time to grow and they've gone through a lot of different things with each other. And so I think you're seeing that play out on the field, uh, I mean, on the floor. Um, and I think that's what happens when you get into the playoffs and you get into these situations. You got to you gotta be able to adapt and <clears throat> play under a lot of different situations. Like game five, them losing game five, like – that was a traumatic experience. Like, if they lose this series, we go back to game five and say, how the hell did you lose that game? But, like, given the fact of, like, they were so confident and then they went out there and still performed, like, they weren't like the Suns where, like, they were just confident and then came out and shit the bed. Like, they were confident after game five and then balled for two straight games. And I think it's I think it's key that you mentioned the, the core, because if I said to you, oh, we're going to play Jeopardy or any game trivia or whatever the case may be. And it's which team has more playoff experience, Bucks or Celtics, you might snap and say, oh, easily the Bucks, because in your head, they're the ones who have been together for a while. But the reality is the Celtics have been the more game sevens as a unit, as a core than the Bucks has playoff experience. Yeah. That alone means that they're battle tested and they were battle tested as a young age. They were forced as, as, as young pros to go through those trials. And I think you mentioning the whole Kyrie leaving thing, I think is a huge point because they had a they have a unique roster in terms of personalities and you know just the the their core players like Marcus Smart. People think he's probably a hothead, dirty player, whatever the case may be, but he brings a certain attitude and toughness. He's you know their 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 heartbeat. Jason Tatum obviously is the most skilled, offensively gifted player, so they're going to you know march to his steps. But Jalen Brown is the key. Jalen Brown is the one who I think was clashing heads most with Kyrie. Because as public facing as Jason Tatum is and Mountain Dew commercials and all these other stuff, Jalen Brown was the guy driving to Atlanta to protest. Jalen Brown was the guy thinking critically about everything outside of just basketball. He was the guy crafting the, the statements doing the Black Lives Matter rallies and all those things within the bat, within the NBA. Mm -hmm. So me thinking and viewing him as one of those forward-thinking people, you drop him in a room with a guy who, in Kyrie who's searching for his calling as an individual on this planet, Becoming Little Mountain and all those things. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I fuck with Little Mountain, too. I need to find my jewel and keep it a bean. But it's like you put all that together, you have a unique situation where you remove somebody, everybody else comes closer together. And you can see that because they 
they hear the noise. Oh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can't win together. Too repetitive. Going to have to break him up eventually. That doesn't happen all the time. Just look at what happened with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. They're going to have to. You can't. Certain times and certain places and certain organizations, that happens and you have to break it up. But I don't think it's going to happen because they have found success with each other. And they were the better team in the series. But now they're about to go and face a team that looks like them. Less offensively talented. but looks like them. Hard-nosed defense, depth, shooting, stars, big shot makers, pros, vets, the whole thing. They're the same people. Just, you know, one guy, one, one team's all-star likes fucking country music to get ready for a big game. And that's fine. <laughs> but I just don't know. Like, I'm, I'm more interested to see that series than I am to watch that show with Luca in Steph. I don't know. I mean, I think both are going to be fucking sick. So we'll be like ball versus what we watch now. Yeah. That 90s ball is going to be that that fucking Celtics heat. Oh man, it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. But I think like I think the issue though with like the Celtics in Boston is like nobody wants to talk about it. And, like, everybody wants to just write him off. But, like, Bam Adebayo. Like, I wrote off Bam Adebayo on the Sixers series for a different reason because he's going – he, he's he's now taken away from what they can do because he has to guard that, that unstoppable man in the post. But that's not necessary against this Boston team. And so, like, who is going to stop Bam is going to be the key of the series because he's going to hold everything together on the defensive end and good luck to Al Horford trying to contain him because they're going to play through him. And like, it's not the same as Giannis and I get Giannis is his own thing for sure. But like, let's be real. They didn't have to worry about three point shooting as much playing against Giannis in this series. You want to know why? Cause Chris Middleton wasn't there. And this next series going against the Miami heat, they got shooters at the ready. Like they're on they're on every corner. And like it's gonna be a lot. It's going to be a lot. Good luck, Al. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to show up again. You're gonna have to show up big for them because it's gonna get a little spooky in Miami if you if if Al Horford can't hold it down. See, I don't even know. If I disagree, but I think that you're missing the one part because I do agree that Bam is going to be the key to the series, but I think it's because of what the Heat do from a principal standpoint. They switch a bunch. They switch a bunch. They're not really worried about mismatches because they feel like they got a roster full of people that can fucking strap, which is fine. It looks very, very true. And it, I. <laughs> It seems to have been true for the majority of the season. However, how many of these matchups with Bam on those islands late shot clock when he's in front of Jason Tatum guarding him or in front of Jalen Brown on the switch or gets caught in 
no man's land between helping and jabbing but to get back like those are going to be the pivotal moments because bam's going to do his thing offensively but how hard he has to work defensively is going to show a lot because if the celtics win those switch those switch opportunities they're going to win the series they're going I don't to deny that yeah i don't i don't deny that and like Selfishly, I would love to see what happens with this little Grant Williams PJ Tucker matchup. I would love to see that because can we can we sidebar for a second though? Because like I just feel like I have to get something off my chest before we move forward. Since you brought up Grant Williams, like my thing is I don't know how I bet Grant Williams plus 12 and a half points, plus uh, you know, three at least three threes in game five. He gives me nothing, and then game seven, he scores 27 and shoots seven threes. What the fuck is that about? Scheme? But, never mind. Car- carry on. No, no, no. No, no. It's not, not, not scheme, because those shots were wide open. He just wasn't hitting them. So, like, and let, let's, also, let's also be real about this situation, because people were telling me, how could you leave open Grant William? He wasn't shooting well the whole series. So, like, let's stop that. There was a reason why he was left open because he wasn't shooting well the whole series and they were doing it the whole series. So please stop talking about these games unless you're actually going to fucking watch them. He was shooting like 40 from the three. However, he was also missing a bunch from the three-point line, which also further questions why the fuck he couldn't make one simplistic shot when I needed him to get an assist from Al Horford. But that's fine. We're not even going to talk about that because right now his fucking stock is down for me. All right. Mm. His stock is down for me. It's good. It, it can go up. If there's plus money for one and a half threes, I'm going <laughs> to find me there. <laughs> I'm there on that bet for sure. But I really think that the stock landscape of the NBA has fucked up the game a little bit. We had a little, we had a little debate. Who's the best player left in playoffs? And a whole bunch of people called in, and it was Luca this, and Jason Tatum that, and Jimmy Butler this, and Jimmy Butler, and Jason Tatum, and Luca, and there was no mention of Steph Curry at all. Which leads me to believe that people are now not basing things off of stock or what they're seeing recently, but you know, we're in a different space right now because the best basketball player. Is Steph Curry left in the playoffs? The person playing the best basketball is Luca. I think it's also because like Golden State has won. Like I don't, they win in a People different. Hate they hate them, but they win in a different way. Like they win together, and so like because it's not Steph having a fifty point night or Steph having this and this and like. It's just like, oh, yeah, the Warriors is doing what the Warriors do. Like, yeah, they should they were supposed to beat Memphis. But like and like a lot of people are choosing Luca and the Mavs to beat the Warriors. And it's like, I see it. I see what y'all saying. Luca's him. But like those guys in Golden State, like those are championship guys. Like those are three guys that have been to that level, like back to back to back. Like like they got their guy back like. Clay's starting to be him again, and 
Like, it's just different, bro. Like, I'm just like, it's levels to this shit, bro. And we talk about that all the time. Like, there's different tiers, there's different levels to a lot of this stuff. And like, we just have to be very like intentional and very aware of like where certain people are and what level they're on. Like, Luca's him. Luca's Luca's stock is up. Tatum's stock is up. Jimmy Butler's stock is up. But like, there's like a certain few guys that stock just never really like drops. <laughs> The, the warriors the the warriors guys like they they in the bay they in the bay and it's like like the the thing that like you know how people are like oh athletes don't pay attention to the news they're too rich and like i guarantee you steph curry's like oh y'all niggas must have forgot mm. so i wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple y'all niggas must have forgot games from steph i wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be surprised one bit because the worst thing you can do is discount a champion. And like maybe people discounted Giannis and them, but we're talking like a chant, like the Warriors are championship ready. Yeah. At all times. They have the mentality of it. And like I would not be shocked if they came out world beaters and go up 2 0 end up having to fuck around and be halfway up to 3-0 before they lose a game on some bullshit. And this is different. Like, this is this isn't like the Suns who haven't won shit. Like, if these Warriors go up to nothing, like <laughs> you better start worrying. I get it, but I just don't see I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah, I hope Curry turning into Christopher Paul or Clay Thompson turning into great value Clay Thompson and Devin Booker. I just don't think that would be possible. So I mean, is Steph Curry a better point guard than Chris Paul? I mean, is that is is that I don't know why you're looking at me like that, but like is that I guess that's a thing now. I mean, I guess that's I guess that's uh that's where we're at. At this point, is is this recency bias though? Are we trying like is this recency bias? Like Chris Paul has a bad game, bad series. Like he really he played very poorly. It was very disappointing and very embarrassing at his performance. And now we're trying to like take his crown away and put it on a guy. But like that guy also deserves a crown. Like multiple championships. Can you put a crown? Unanimous and. A unanimous MVP. I mean, but like, how are you going to put a crown on like a Rushmore head? It's a big crown, I guess, right? Because like, when you revolutionize how the game is literally and theoretically and philosophically thought about, you're on a short list of niggas who have altered reality within the game. Okay, so real quick, I'm going to put you on the spot here. There's a conversation that was had this weekend at work, and it was very intriguing. And the question was, it was no, this is it was actually very intriguing. Five seats at the table in the NBA, who gets those? Like who's who's sitting at that table? Like you obviously got Braun, Katie in the NBA right now. Curry Yes, and they be right now. LeBron, who's sitting at the table? It's LeBron James, it's Kevin Durant, it's Stephen Curry, 
it's Giannis. Mm-hmm. And the fifth person, that's that's where that's where it stops, bro. Because there's a lot of like, do you put Luca? Do you put Embiid? Do you put Jokic corny ass? Like, do you put um Tatum? Like, do you put Trigger Trey? Like, who do you put? Do you put Devin Booker at that point? We didn't see that. I obviously not anymore, but I'm saying he was in the running at one point. Is Kawhi still in that conversation? Is James Harden in that conversation? Like, it's, here's the thing. If you put, if you're thinking about putting Kawhi in that conversation, like Kawhi hasn't been, he hasn't, you know, played at an elite level for a few years now. And like, if you want to talk about James Harden can't be in the conversation, they're in the same boat. They both haven't shown up in the last few years. So who do you put in the final seed? I'll put it like this. If it's a champions only table, it's not though. Like it's not just the, just the table, like the the best Who's table. Him, like that, but that was also yeah. a point of like that was also a point of like what are the stipulations of being at the table? Is it I'm about to say, what's my table? Is it just right? Because if Luca's at the table, Ooh. he has to be at the table. But that's now though. Like we didn't see this performance like this weekend. I so I'll give you that. Have Luca at the table, no matter what. He has to be. He has to be. He does too much. And he's doing something that we only really see like the Jimmer Fredettes of the world do. Like he's he's turned the Mavs into like a college story-ish type of pro thing that we're watching right now. Like, oh, they beat the big bad one seed. He came back, was down, he was hurt, calf strain. Blah, blah, blah. And like, they don't have a clear two. They don't have a clear number two talent on their roster. You might say it's Jalen Brunson, but you're not putting Jalen Brunson on a graphic next to Luca, going up against fucking Clay and Steph. Might be a big-ass picture of Luca, Dorian Finney-Smith. And they might put Dorian Finney-Smith a little bit. So, like, he has to, Dinwiddie. He's a, If he's not at the table, he's sitting on that little bench that's on the, on the back end of the table. You know how some of them don't have the little yeah, bench? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's – You mean he's – Okay, well, but who could you see in front of him, though, is if you're saying that? Well, if he's healthy, Claw's at the table. You got to stay at the table. Got to. The nigga too good when he won. But what yeah, about how? What, what, what I mean, oh, if you gonna say that? Okay. We haven't, we haven't seen James play in nine years. So what the fuck? I'm saying though, if James Harden is healthy, is he at the table? Like what the fuck? No, no the table is only reserved for certain types of niggas. And I love James Harden to death, but that table is full of niggas who show up and win chips or die trying. And that nigga's just been dying. I don't know how hard he's been trying. I, 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 I would love to put him at the table because that's my guy. Why he but... revolutionized the game, though? That's you just said that about Seth. That's why he's at the table, though. Yeah, you but said so he revolutionized all, the game. So did all those other guys, though. And like, like Harden, Hard, like James Harden's not going to be like on the revolutionary game table the same way that Steph Curry is. 
Not to say that he's not in the conversation. No, no, no. That's interesting. That's interesting to hear yeah, from you. It's just, it's different. Like the way that James Harden changed the game is more so about officiating and angles and what's perceived as contact versus not contact. And oh, by the way, the sidestep and all that shit. But Steph Curry literally changed the way people operate and engineer offense, which is different. That's different. That's fair. It's okay. It's okay. But <laughs> you can't hear the team. That boy Luca, though, he's close. Hey man, I just look. My thing is, I just can't wait to see what he do. It's gonna be real interesting. What he what he do against some Splash Brothers, man? It's it TBD, though. It might be a pool party. <laughs> oh, woo woo, woo woo woo. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Fuck this.